point of intrinsic motivation is it's it's already there. You have found it. Maybe you need to sit down and do some journaling or, or give it some long thought. But if you're intrinsically motivated, by definition, you're a self-starter. You, you do whatever you're doing because you love it. Welcome to the Forging Metal Podcast with your blacksmiths, Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr. Come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden up. Let's get to work. The forge is now open. I think most of us can agree that part of mental toughness is focused around our fitness and our health. So today we're super excited to talk to a training director for men's fitness and muscle and fitness magazines, Sean Heisen. He writes about and edits workouts, diets, exercise trends is where he spends his time. And he's even worked with a few regimens when it comes to celebrities and famous athletes. He's the author of the Men's Fitness Exercise Bible. And after a couple of years, quite a few actually, of Sean working with fitness experts and sifting through an enormous volume of training programs, he has a few things to share. That's why we grabbed him, asked him to join us on the show, and we're gonna kind of pick his brain today. Great to have you on the show, Sean. I tell you, as I was doing research on you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as I did research, I, I was like, this guy has an interesting background. It almost, it, it, it seems like it's a winding, unconventional road that you've kind of taken to get to where you are today. And maybe I would call you a survivor. I don't know. I see some, maybe some grit and mental toughness, perseverance to just keep on going. Is that, do you think that's a fair assessment of kind of the, the path of your life? You've trained with all these, you know, these fitness experts and you've really kind of distilled all of this knowledge that you've got. So I got the impression you've known a lot of people in the industry and you've picked their brain and, and you know, that sort of thing. I think that's fascinating. And uh, I can only imagine the knowledge that you've acquired in that area. Yes, I have trained with a lot of pro athletes and high level fitness authorities and personalities. And uh, I should just add to that the caveat that it was usually for a very short period of time. So fortunately, I didn't have to hang with them for all that long. <laughs> Not to mention, I, I think you've worked with, uh, because you, you build a lot of exercise regimens throughout the years, and I, I think you've worked with some celebrities. So if anything, that probably shows some resilience and grit, I'm guessing. What was that like? Uh, it's a lot of fun. I've always tell people that I think the best part of my job was I got to interview and have meaningful interactions with all my childhood heroes. You know, I grew up you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, watching pro wrestling and these action movies, and I've gotten to you know, have interesting personal conversations with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura and you know, Hulk Hogan and all these guys. So it, uh, it was cool to, to cross that off the bucket list. <laughs> Any super cool, releasable uh, conversations or moments or things you've learned from any of those people or just kind of interactions? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, the Hulk Hogan interview, I remember, was fun. Uh, we did that in his his home, in his kitchen. He had his shirt off the whole time, just like you see him on TV. <laughs> and he, I asked him the dumb question of, you know, 
how would you know, how would you compare your popularity with that of Stone Cold Steve Austin in the '90s? Because a lot of people see those two as the biggest names in the history of pro wrestling, and he got very offended. He, he didn't he didn't like the fact that Steve Austin made his name by you know throwing middle fingers up and using bad language on TV, and he thought that was what he called cheap heat, and that you know a real you know a real wrestling superstar, somebody who's got uh, you know, an enduring, enduring name in the business. You know, they get it through, you know, the spirit of, of, you know, loving the craft and working the audience and creating emotion in the storylines. And so he thought that we, he, he, he said something to the effect of, you know, I could, I could pull my penis out and get a, you know, get a reaction from a crowd and shock them, but that's, that's called cheap heat. That's not really, it's not in your spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know Hulk Hogan was so deep. Wow. That's great. <laughs> So, so Sean, for the for the listeners that are, that are out there that maybe don't know what you do, what do you, what what would you say you do, Sean? What's uh what's uh the thing that you're passionate about these days? Well, I'm a, I'm a fitness, nutrition, and wellness journalist. I started off at uh, Men's Fitness Magazine, which then was uh, absorbed by Men's Journal. I worked at Muscle and Fitness for many years. I was the ended up being the fitness director there. For many years, I've uh, I've written a book for Men's uh, Health Magazine, another book for Men's Fitness Magazine about different workout strategies and training concepts. So I've been you know deep in that world for a long time, and like I was saying along the way, I've I've interviewed a lot of you know fitness celebrities and and uh, gotten to train with some you know, uh, high level athletes and, and interesting personalities. And uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, a lot of uh, you know reading the science and getting practical application too. It didn't, uh, it's kind of been a unique turn of events for you in life. I I mean, I read uh, a bio somewhere out there that said that you actually grew up not in the fitness world. You grew up actually very, very different than the, you know, the guy out doing all the fitness um, routines and you were actually bullied as a kid. And how, like Ron and I both, um, one of our, one of the things we do is where we teach at uh, the University of Colorado in Boulder, where we deal with a lot of younger kids. And um, I'm just so curious, like, what was that like? And what was the turning point where you were like, I got to find something else uh, to set me on a path of confidence? Well, I think my story is a lot like the old uh, Charles Atlas, uh, you know, cartoon ads, or I was kind of that skinny kid who got picked on by the bigger kids and didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And I found, you know, weight training in particular, first martial arts, but then weight training you know, as, a, as a route to better self-confidence. And I, I like to, you know, if we're talking about kids, I always like to explain it that you know, I, there's probably nothing else in life, no other pursuit or activity that you'll find such immediate positive feedback in as there is with weight training, you know, within days, you can see results, you can feel results, you, you see the difference in the mirror and that there's so few things in life that, that give you that kind of momentum so quickly. So I think, you know, kids getting involved in weight training, you know, the old stereotype was, was going to be that they were going to grow up to be bullies too. They were going to, it was going to bring out this aggressive, you know, uh, you know, side of them, they were going to get too into the testosterone. They were just going to be bigger, stronger jerks. But the, the reality is, is really the opposite. You know, as I was doing research again, uh, I noticed you do a lot of writing. Were you always an author um, or is that something that came to you later in life? I always knew I was going to be doing something in writing. I come from a, a family of writers, all different kinds in some capacity or another. Everybody was doing some kind of writing. My dad's in marketing. My mom was a magazine editor for years. And, 
for me, it's, it's been kind of a, a, a simple path. It was just combining my greatest passions. I, I liked writing and I liked fitness. I'll write about fitness. And, and I just was very fortunate. I got a job out of college or I could do that at men's fitness, you know, you know, the lowest possible level. I was basically sweeping up the place when I started, but they let me uh, write more and more. And, and I think the reason I got the opportunities I did was because I was so passionate about the topic. I was the one who was taking it upon himself to go out and research fitness and nutrition concepts and learn about, you know, how to do this stuff correctly and try to blow away all the old, you know, mythology about how this stuff works. And uh, they saw my initiative in that area and allowed me to sort of, they started to trust me after a while. And I'm curious what you think, because I, I know as we're coming out of, what has it been? I, I lose track a year and a half or now more of uh, being kind of at home and our lifestyles being disrupted people are looking now for new fitness, new nutrition regimens. Like what is the biggest amount of advice that you have for people that are like, Oh my gosh, I'm just, you know, I've got the COVID 20 pounds or whatever it is. What is the biggest um, push or motivational thing that you could give them right now? Well, again, find something that you love that you'll stick with. It doesn't matter what the routine is. Everything is going to have pros and cons. Every kind of exercise routine and diet has its flaws, but you know, what can you do tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that next week consistently, you know, that's, what's going to help you see results. And, you know, we have some programs on it. We had these six weeks challenges called the on at six, which people seem to absolutely love because it comes with access to this private Facebook group, the Onnit Tribe, which is an amazing forum, which has just this unbelievable amount of community that it offers to people, people who support each other. It's, it's a safe zone. You can go on there, pour out your life story, talk about whatever problems you're having, and just having that connection with other people who are like-minded and want to be on the same path as you to support you is going to set you up for so much success, no matter what you know, particular brand of fitness you follow. What, what do you love about what you do now, Sean? I'm curious, since you've been kind of uh, doing it for a while now and, and it, you know, aside from writing, it's maybe shifted a little bit here and there, but it's kind of centered around the same concept. What is it that you, keeps you doing it? Well, again, the personalities I get to meet, it's, it's fascinating to, to meet some of these people now. You know, I've, I've interviewed Tim Kennedy many times. He's the UFC fighter and a special forces sniper, uh, also TV star as well. Um, I've interviewed Joe Rogan gotten to meet some interesting personalities, but I guess on a, on a very personal selfish level, <laughs> I've really enjoyed applying all this information that I've learned over the years about fitness and nutrition to my own training, you know, taking, you know, my own body to the next level. And, you know, for a kid who was so unathletic and so unfit, it's, uh, I always marvel at what I've been able to achieve by, you know, all this learning and, and self-experimentation. I'm right there with you. That's one of the beautiful things about the podcast. We get to talk about people that are a lot smarter than us and, put those things in, into action. So it's a lot of fun for us as well. So part of the reason that we reached out to you, Sean, was I didn't realize that I had found an article that you had wrote for Men's Journal uh, quite a few years ago. I thought it was like five years old, but apparently it, it's quite a bit older than that. But it's about mental toughness. It was called How to Train Yourself to Be Mentally Tough. Let's start with this idea, Sean. Um, do you feel like mental toughness can be developed and trained, or is that something we're born with? Yeah, I think when I first wrote that article, the consensus among the people I talked to for it was that it was mostly an inborn thing. But now I'm finding with more recent research, that doesn't seem to be the case. I think it certainly is going to be inborn to a degree, but it, it can be taught simply that the simplest answer, I think, with good parenting and a good upbringing, because we've found that 
kids who are more uh, socially adept and outgoing and just generally have a happier disposition in life, they tend to be the ones who are mentally tougher. And I know it's funny because that runs so counter to what we see in movies and we've heard you know, in TV shows and stories through the years, it's always, you know, Rambo is always this uh, anti-social guy. He didn't have any friends. He, he was a rogue. He did it alone. But the reality is, and, and I can back this up with interviews I've done with Tim Kennedy and other special forces guys over the years, is, is some of those dudes, they're tough as nails, but they're also as, you know, garrulous and humorous as it comes. They're, they're re- really down-to-earth, fun-loving people who have strong social connections. Uh, it's so true. We have so many uh, military guests that we've invited on the show and a lot of Navy SEALs um, who are the elitist of the forces. And we just, it's like, it's like unveiling things that most people wouldn't think, you know, you've got these Navy SEALs that are like, no, it's not about pushing through at all costs. It's about being smart and doing self-reflection. You know, you just hear meditation a lot. And so I'm curious, um, your your thoughts now today after uh, writing that um, a decade and a half ago, how do you feel in the sense of what is your definition of mental toughness? Like, how would you describe it now? What does it mean to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the original definition we had then and what most people think of immediately is just the ability to not quit when you're trying to achieve something. But if you want to look at what the research says now, I found this great review in, in 2017 in Frontiers in Psychology. And they define it as the ability to cope with stress in order to achieve some kind of personal growth due to confidence in one's abilities. And there's a big distinction there. It's not just what they call hardiness. Being hardy means being able to endure stress. A lot of people can endure stress if their life is on the line, but being mentally tough means that not only can you endure, but you're also confident that you're going to be successful. Do you think, Sean, um, is there ever an appropriate time to quit? (laughs) Well, I, would, <laughs> I think it's important not to be too uh, pig-headed in life. You know, you have to realize when you're fighting a losing battle, you know, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it to carry on to the end at all costs? Or am I better served, you know, going some other direction? Uh, you know, if your life is on the line, if it's, yeah, if it's a matter of that and, and you know, finishing an ultra marathon, I guess the decision is, is ultimately in the, in the beholder's hands. But I think, yeah, there are certainly times when you, when you can quit, but the important thing is you quit for the right reasons and you don't quit because you just folded mentally. Uh, you mentioned in the article that we were just talking about um, the, the concept of finding your intrinsic motivator to get you through to being mentally tough. And, and I, I am a huge proponent in everything of uh, when it comes to mental toughness, I think you need to find that intrinsic motivation to kind of help you through. Whether you're out in the trenches as a military member or you are a university professor dealing with a bunch of young students. Um, do you, what is your thought process there in the sense of intrinsic motivation, how do we find it? Because I think a lot of people will say, I have no idea what intrinsically motivates me. How do I find that out? How do I figure that out? Well, I think the, the point of intrinsic motivation is it's, it's already there. You have found it. Maybe you need to sit down and do some journaling or, or give it some long thought. But if you're intrinsically motivated, by definition, you're a self-starter. You, you do whatever you're doing because you love it. You don't need a lot of encouragement from other people. The other side of that coin is people who fall under the umbrella of uh, achievement motivation. And, and this can be, this is mainly just people who hate to lose. They, they, mm. they only really get focused when the pressure is on. So, you know, you have to put them in you know, the bottom of the ninth with two outs before they'll really, you know, turn it on for you. And 
under that umbrella, under achievement motivation, there's people who are motivated to succeed. And these are people who get excited by the glory of winning. And there's people who are motivated to avoid failure. And those are the ones who win just because they don't want to look bad. They, they, they take any kind of loss as a blow to their ego. And that's too much for them to handle. So they, they'll really they'll bring out their best just to avoid looking foolish. Uh, so you know, those are the different kinds of people that are out there. And I think a lot of us are a, a blend of all those things when it comes down to it. But yeah, as far as, you know, I've never needed to find motivation to go to the gym. Like, you know, being stronger, seeing improvement was always super important to me. And it was never even a question of whether I was going to show up or not. Now, I've had some workouts that are better than others, and I was lazier some days than others. But I, I always knew I was going to show up and do what I set out to do. Wow, Sean. So you say, are, are you saying that you don't have days when you're not motivated? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Because I, I, I <laughs> got to say, tell man, us that I, secret. I, I need that trick. <laughs> Well, I'm always motivated to take some step in the right direction. Okay, like okay. I said, I'm not always going to be, you know, all out in, in my effort, depending on, you know, fatigue, stress, you know, mood, whatever. But uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's important. If you're really motivated, you know, an athlete or a, a high achieving person in life, they find some way to do some kind of training every day, they say. So maybe, you know, if you don't feel like going to the gym, you're at least going to take a walk around the block. You're going to make sure you eat healthy. You know, if you sleep late you know, you're going to make up for it later in that day or later that week, something like that. And that's kind of where I was going is when motivation fails us, what takes over? Is it, is it willpower? Is it systems? Is it habits? What, what's your answer to that? Yeah, I, I think uh, willpower is very finite. And we know that habits and systems really are, are where it's at long-term. You have to make sure that you have certain routines in place that keep you on the right path. You know, whether you're trying to quit smoking or you know, climb the corporate ladder. It's, it's a matter of doing small things every day. It's one of the things I learned from Tim Kennedy is that, you know, I asked him, how do you, how do you get to be mentally tough? You know, he's put his body through all kinds of hell and you know, dangerous situations that most people could never even fathom. And, and he said, it's, it's really just a matter of making, you know, correct little decisions every single day. You know, I'm going to decide to not drink alcohol tonight when I go out with my friends. I'm going to decide to get up a few minutes earlier or a few hours earlier tomorrow so I can get more done. You know, things that seem so trivial day to day, but over the course of weeks and months add up to be massive life-changing behaviors. So I got to ask you a personal question since you brought it up. Alcohol. Um, I'm 45 and I'm, I love alcohol. I mean, I lived in Europe and Italy and wine region and uh, Riesling and you, you name it, but I'm actually really starting to contemplate whether or not uh, I want to stop drinking it for health reasons. I mean, nothing's pushing me in that direction. I'm just curious. What are your thoughts? Random question. <laughs> well, I think you can make anything work. I think one of the problems in fitness is, is we get to be too absolute in our thinking too often. There, there's still people out there who think you, know, you have to eat healthy all the time, every day, super clean diet if you want to lose weight. And anything less than that, you're cheating yourself or you're, you're injuring your health long term. And, and that's not the case. I mean, we, we've seen studies about people in France who, you know, smoke and drink and they're out living Americans. So obviously it's not, alcohol is, is already vice is, is not a subject that's that cut and dried. There's, there's nuance to it. You know, the poison's in the dose. <laughs> you know, are, are you drinking every day because you feel this uh, addiction to do so? Well, that might be a problem. Or are you drinking moderately with friends in social situations because it helps enhance your enjoyment? I don't think that's a, a big deal as long as as long as your calories are under control, you're not going to gain weight from it. So there's little, there's, you have to look at the bigger picture. 
And from someone that writes so much about exercise and nutrition, I'm curious what your kind of daily, weekly strategies are. Are you, are you specifically in the gym? Are you out running marathons? Like what, what does Sean do? Yeah, I've always been kind of uh, just a meathead. I, I'm kind of the opposite of what I was just describing. I, I like to be kind of absolutist. I like to, you know, have that sort of Spartan routine. I'm pretty regimented with when I get up and go to bed. I'm, you know, lifting weights four or five days a week. I'm doing cardio two or three days a week. I'm, you know, weighing out the food, ca- counting the macros. But I, I've learned that this is kind of you know, just how I find meaning in life. I don't feel like I'm denying myself. I don't feel like these are sacrifices that are cheating me out of a greater, you know, pleasure in life. This is the only way I can be happy. You know, maybe I need to see a psychiatrist for that, but <laughs> I feel like uh, anything else, I feel like I'm being untrue to myself and I, I don't feel as satisfied at the end of the day. Uh, Have you that. always been that way? Or what, at, what, uh, at what point in your life did you kind of go in that direction? I'm curious. I think when I was in... Uh, you know, junior high school, maybe I, I realized, you know, it's probably better if I, if I do the book report, if I do my homework, if I study for the test, so I don't get yelled at and punished by my parents for it afterward. I think that kind of had an impact on me because it certainly wasn't fitness at first for me. I, I just sort of realized that there's some value in, in putting business before pleasure and you know, putting your nose to the grindstone and just, you know, focusing on, on getting work done. And then that translated in college to, uh, you know, the, the whole fitness thing and, and, uh, the more you uh, you put into it, the more you get out of it. Clearly, lifelong ha- habits. Let's uh, yeah. let's go back. Yeah, let's go back to the article for a minute. One of the things that jumped out at me, and, and again, I know this is an old article, but I think this still is relevant. And one of them was to be positive. Uh, I think there's there's limitations to that. We can you know certainly be too positive and ignore reality. But as part of being positive, in the article, you talked about this idea of when we're doing something hard we really got to have a clear understanding of why we're doing this. And it's funny that I was just talking to a friend of mine about this and she, you know, she always says, I, I don't know what my why is Ron. And I said, you better figure it out. And so what do you think? Do we need a, do we need a clear why when we're going to do something hard? I think the more arduous the task, the clearer you need to be on your why for sure. I think when you're starting out, just to use another gym example, a lot of people just go to the gym, because they, they have this vague notion they want to be in better shape and they feel like they need to. But if you're going to continue to go for a long time, you have to have some concrete goals about what you're going to achieve or you, you just be going for the sake of going. So yeah, I, it, the why I think is there in all of us. And, and if you talk to some psychologists and sports uh, psych coaches that I have over the years, they'll tell you that ultimately everybody's why when you really drill down to it is we want to be loved. We want to feel like we're worthy of love. We want to feel like you know, we're attractive and, and we can bring love into our lives and that some kind of, you know, physical or business or financial achievement is going to, you know, ultimately uh, snowball into that. So, you know, you have to figure out what, what it is that is going to make you feel the most loved. And that's going to be probably the driving force. That's fascinating. So when I try to do an ultra marathon, I'm just looking for love. <laughs> in all the wrong places <laughs> there totally, you go. Totally, totally wrong places, <laughs> totally wrong places. Um, i'd love to talk about you have a lot of books out there sean um and I, I, i'm sorry to say i have not read any of them as most of them are geared toward men <laughs> so i'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about uh some of them and 
you know, you, you're, uh, you, I think we're going back to, to, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe almost a decade ago when you started writing um, and putting books out there. Um, and if I'm wrong, let me know. Yeah, that's about right. About right. Uh, so you've got the exercise Bible, you've got a couple of co-authored books. Um, give us just maybe uh, two of them or three of them, uh, a little synopsis so that our, our listeners, and we can put these links to the books in the show notes, know, oh, that's what I need help with. I'm going to go kind of check out what he's, what he's written. I appreciate that. Yeah, my first book was for men's fitness, came out in 2013, I believe. It's called 101 Best Workouts, also known as the uh, Men's uh, Fitness Exercise Bible. It had two titles, and it's as simple as it sounds. It was just 101 different workouts for all different pieces of equipment from barbell, dumbbell, body weight, bands, uh, machines, et cetera, et cetera. It just different workouts that you can try, plug them into your routine, no matter where you are, what equipment you have access to. That was one. And then I did one for men's health, which I'm very proud of called the Encyclopedia of Muscle. And that is a collection kind of in a similar vein of workout techniques. You know, we've all heard things from being in the gym over the years, like, you know, supersets and pre-exhaustion and cluster sets and, you know, Tabata and HIIT training. What is all that stuff? Well, in an encyclopedia format, I define what all of it is. I gave examples. I cited research try to explain each one of those concepts. I think there's 52 different entries in there and some sample workouts. I think that's still available at uh, menshealth.com. So check that out. And then I've done a couple of eBooks on my own uh, available to my website, seanheisen.com, where uh, one of them is the main one is the truth about strength training, where I, that was just sort of me uh, <laughs> kind of coming to a realization for myself about what really works with weight training and trying to sift through all the mythology and the junk and give people a simple routine that they can use to build muscle and lose fat and change their bodies. And uh, I would make some amendments to that now based on what I know these days, because that's uh, seven, eight years old now, but uh, I still feel like it holds up pretty well for people who want to train uh, with weights. And I suggest they check it out. As you know, I'm an ultra runner and I'm, you know, I'm getting up there in age. I don't want to, I don't want to say I'm old, but I'm getting up there in age and I want to get stronger. I want to be a stronger runner. Uh, what, uh, I don't know if you've ever worked with somebody in that realm, but in the realm, I, I know you say I don't do endurance, but if I want to become a stronger runner, what would you recommend? And Sean, uh, make note that this is where he gets his free coaching from you. Just so you <laughs> yes. know, this is the point in the show. Well, I'll try not to lead you astray. <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, you're absolutely on the right track thinking that you want to be a stronger runner, right? Adding strength training is going to be a big help because stronger muscles we know are more efficient muscles. They're going to be more resistant to fatigue. Uh, it's just, a, it's an old, unfortunate misconception that strength training just binds you up and makes you slow and tight and you know, ruins your uh, endurance capacity. It's, that's not the case. So uh, for a runner, I think you'd, you'd want to I would have said differently a few years ago, but now my advice would be largely avoid the barbell. You don't need to spend the time mastering the technique of barbell squats and deadlifts. I think for the most part, those lifts are too technique intensive. They're, they have a long learning curve. They have a high risk for injury if you really don't know what you're doing. So it's better to do lunges, machine work, dumbbell exercises, strengthen the focus on strengthening each leg individually unilateral training so split squats lunges again would be uh would be good exercises for runners but on top of that don't neglect the rest of the body too because we know we gain a lot of, of sprinters anyway gain a lot of 
uh, speed from the, the arm pumping motion when they're sprinting. So developing the, sh the shoulders and the arms helps with that as well. So those are some, some ideas to integrate into your, your plan. I just jotted down all those notes. I know it actually kind of blew my mind. The first thing you said immediately just debunked what I assumed. Like I assumed strength training was all wrong for runners. So um, because of exactly what you said. So that's kind of cool to hear the opposite. Well, I mean, done improperly, it can be. I think you look at uh, certain athletes in uh, golf and, you know, boxing, MMA over the years, guys who have kind of pumped up overnight and they've had a lot of muscle they do tend to perform badly. They'll, they'll gas out in a fight. They'll, they'll run out of endurance, but you know, that's when you, when you add a lot of muscle quickly and, you know, through drugs sometimes, you know, that's, that's not, not a good idea. Yeah. It's going to put more of a, a strain on your, on your aerobic system, but, but done gradually and with a focus on strength, not just adding muscle size, you're going to improve the efficiency of the body to perform better. Well, Sean, aside from the books, and thanks for kind of going through uh, a little bit there, what else are you working on? Or if people are like, wow, Sean is super rad. How do we work with him, get involved, learn more? Uh, I've already read all of his books. Now what? Well, I'm still, I'm always doing fitness and nutrition articles, uh, looking at the latest research. I just did a piece on, on, on it.com about ashwagandha, which is uh, an Indian an African herb that has been found to be very beneficial for uh, strength and testosterone in men. Uh, it's also it's a, an adaptogenic herb, so it helps the body mitigate stress. A lot of good research on that coming out. I am always doing the old kind of you know meathead uh, muscle building articles. I always enjoy that. And lately, I've been focusing a lot on human interest stories. Uh, people in our, as I talked about before, the Onnit tribe, this private face group. Facebook group we have of people who support each other and their, their fitness and life goals, focusing on their stories, you know, who these people are and what they do, have, what habits they've established to be successful, their mental toughness. And I've done a lot of profiles on those kinds of people. And I think those articles tend to suck you in when you when you read something like that about a person who might seem on the surface to be so far removed from your station in life or your attitudes or ethnicity or job, whatever it may be. And then you realize how much you have in common when you when you start reading that story. I, I like to turn people onto that and uh, and shock them a little. Let's wrap this up with our signature question, uh, Sean. If you're game, we would like to ask you, as we ask everybody, what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? I think, as I was alluding to before, my biggest failure was just not being true to myself enough in life. I, I was thinking this morning, actually, that I don't regret the times that I made sacrifices, be it for fitness, nutrition, career, relationships, whatever. I regret the times that I didn't sacrifice more because I think maybe it's just me, but I'm, I'm a person who's driven by the feeling of accomplishment and having purpose in life, not just mere pleasure and indulgence. So when I look back, I think a lot of people look back and they say, oh, yeah, I should have eaten it, you know, eaten more pizzas and, and fewer chicken breasts. And I should have spent more time with family and friends and had adventures. I don't feel that way. I feel like, you know, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have gone to bed earlier, more nights. I would have gotten up earlier, more mornings. I would have, you know, made more sacrifices for the sake of fitness and just for my own education. And I, as I get older and, and my lifestyle has evolve and I'm, I'm not going out and hitting the bars like I was at 25, I feel like it's easier to do that and be truer to myself. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. 
If you didn't, let's just forget this happened and we'll try again next week. Until then, join the revolution to forge metal and connect with us on social media.